Oliver Dixon on SAFM. Thank you so much for listening to the show. I'm taking your reactions to Figulam Balula's first briefing as Secretary General of the ANC. What did you make of the comments there? An interesting question around uh, when are you resigning as Minister of uh, Transport? Uh, and he's like, well, it could be tomorrow. It could be after the State of the Nation address. He's very non-committal about that answer. Of course, I think it's early. He still needs to consult with his um, uh, with his political uh, partners, that is to say, the president, who is his political principal, both in the party as well as in government, uh, to come to a conclusion thereof. But I think the situation and the matters in the ANC are so grave that I don't think Mfikil Mbalula should even wait for Christmas to resign. I think he doesn't need the president's permission to resign. He just needs to tell the president, look, now that I'm here, let me take party matters serious and resign from the state and focus on matters of the organization. But of course, uh, that again, is their prerogative. Again, it's in the ANC constitution that you cannot be Secretary General as well as serving in government or holding any other position elsewhere, that you have to dedicate your entire professional airtime towards the organization. We're in conversation about the developments of the last 24 hours. Dr. Pelis Angomo is with us as well as Dr. Tlingwen Tlovo. Uh, Pelis, I thank you so much for your time this evening. Really, really do appreciate it. I'll start here. Fikile Mbalula's press briefing, does, is there anything to take from it that signals a new era for the ANC or is it just about the same old, same old? <clears throat> uh, good evening, Oliver, and good evening to listeners. Well, I think it's a, it's a mix. It's conference. I think the message he's sending across is that um, there's a new chief in town. So please uh, make it sure that um, I am setting up very new marching orders and that I am going to make it sure that um, anything else that has been happening before, um, which would be classified as some form of unruliness, for lack yeah. of a better word, you know, um, I'm really going to make it sure that I put every, everybody else in line. But interestingly, the point you're making about the Constitutional Court judgment, I don't think he's probably aware of it that, you know, uh, members of parliament are actually protected by that judgment. And I, I suppose that's something that he's likely to, um, he has to familiarize himself with and the implications uh, going forward. I also think that, I mean, one of the key issues, of course, is really coming into the position um, where people are kind of like quite nervous, even though he's when he's, I mean, he's risen through party ranks, but people are quite nervous about whether he has the finesse um, given the the dynamics that the organization has been undergoing, including, you know, the issue around um, um, the financial state of the ANC. Mm. The second one is around the renewal, renewal agenda. The third one is around the decline of membership internally, but also I think the fact that, um, you know, the ANC had not performed very well in the election during the local uh, local government. I do think that even the, the third one is just the polarization that you often get to see amongst ANC members and even ANC across branches as well as the, as the, as the provinces. So he's coming to the space where people are actually unsure whether he has that, and I think Part of the reason why he had to really have, the, you know, uh, he had to have this uh, press conference to really send a message that I am up to what this position requires and that uh, um, 
please expect a little bit more um, from me. So, so I do think that he said that. I mean, it will be interesting to hear uh, after the uh, the conference in terms of the resolution and what type of leadership he intends to bring in to the organization um, in dealing with some of these multiple crises that the ANC, which is the oldest liberation movement of Africa, yeah. is actually confronted with. Dr. Flegwe Ntlovu, uh, you're also with us. I want to start here with you and maybe ask you this. Is it naive to assume that there is room for renewal within the ANC? The last time in 2017, we couldn't make that assumption. It was a split top six, and it was split very thick. But this time around, Cyril Ramaphosa won overwhelmingly with the vast majority of his slate members, or at least his, his, his political uh, allies, having made it onto the top seven. Five out of the top seven positions are with him. Nomvula Mukanyane seems like somebody he can still win over. She doesn't seem to be loyal to a particular faction. Uh, she's only loyal to where she finds comfort, it seems, as her history spells out. Uh, uh, but is, is is it naive to assume that there's an opportunity here for renewal or is it uh, has that ship sailed? Um, good, evening and good evening to your listeners as well. Renewal, Project Renewal, I think that was the question I was about to ask um, Balula before I jumped into this show. Um, depending on where you're standing and what you mean by renewal, first of all, um, you know, in the top seven, most of them, uh, who is new there and what is new that they are bringing to the table. But most importantly, what is renewal without young people? What is renewal without um, women? So I wanted to ask Mbalula um, in terms of, um, is there a space for youth within the ANC as yeah. we renew, number one? And this question is based on some of um, the statements that the ANC leadership uttered uh, at the break of the Palapala scandal after the presentation of uh, the Section um, 89 report when they said um, the president would, won't step aside because uh, there is no capable leadership within the NC, mm. which in itself is so disturbing, but also a highly dangerous statement in terms of yeah. what does it mean in terms of grooming leadership within um the movement but secondly uh, in terms of um, gender parity within the ANC of course we're seeing three more women added to the top um, seven positions but um, what is their role are those uh, positions strategic enough to bring any change so one question that I wanted to ask Ambalula was uh, to say in this renewal, what is it that is new that is going to do um, with the branches from a local level to make sure that they work hard in such a way that mm. in 2027 they deliver uh, a woman president uncontested, unhumiliated, because in, t in an effort to transform gender, it has to be a deliberate, consented, and also an intentional effort that... Um, the leaders of the ANC must be invested in, in terms of, uh, you know, pushing women to the front, given the structural patriarchy that we're existing in. So uh, before we see some of those things, and in addition to that, that uh, all of them are old, they've been there. Yeah. What is new that we're going to see? Yeah. I don't believe in project renewal. Correct.
and 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 that concern about there's no capable leadership to take over from Ramaphosa is a concern that we can't just let go of just yet, or at least it's a thing we can't uh, note as not significant because it's not out of the red as far as Palapala is concerned. There's still a public protector report that has to come. The NPA still has to say or do something about it. Uh, in fact, what we know from the Hawks is that an investigation is at an advanced stage and they should be able to give the NPA a prosecutable case or not anytime soon. S South African Reserve Bank still needs to tell us what their investigations told us. Similarly, so should uh, uh, SARS. Ramaphosa is, is still not out of the cloud over his head as far as Palace, Palace is concerned. is not yet gone. Should it be the case that his integrity is compromised by a public protector report so the NPA charges him and he has to step aside, the party then has to revisit this question about who should be the interim president or who should be the president altogether. And it doesn't seem like they've settled on that question. I don't think they've yeah. settled at all. Sorry, I yes, Lingua? Yes, I don't think they've circled at all on that question. Um, and uh, this is evident in terms of uh, if there was enough leadership within the structures, with the nominations from the floor, even if they came with a list that was already existing, we should have seen, you know, other people jumping up to say, are we prepared uh, to take up spaces? Of course, we understand uh, the position of Nkosazanadlamini Zuma. He's gone through, um, you know, um, very brutal humiliation, but uh, within the NC and outside the NC. So um, her declining that position is understandable, but also if we look around at uh, the leadership that is there currently, if they are in a position themselves to say there is no alternative to Suri Ramaphosa, so what does it mean for the country at, at large? Are they even prepared in case um, Palapala happens and then the president falls? Um, where are they standing in terms yeah. of uh, 2024 national government, national government elections? That is uh, very scary and also uh, disturbing, um, painting a picture that this politics is not longer in the interests of South Africans broadly, but uh, it's interested individuals within these different structures. Yeah. Uh, uh, Pelissa, of course we don't yet have... Uh, a feedback from the reporters of the different commissions about what had been discussed in the policy commissions as far as the ANC's policy positions is concerned. But we do have a discussion document. We do have Mkhabula, for instance, uh, that was published earlier this year that gives us a reference as to where the hearts and the minds of the ANC is as far as polit uh, its policy positions are concerned. And the president's political organizational political report uh, did give some indication about where they have fallen short on policy implementation. One of the examples being that uh, the question around the, the Reserve Bank and the constitutional amendment that was ought to have been implemented, at least the ANC having instructed that it should be the case, with the Reserve Bank and other economic, uh, w there's been economic decline under Ramaphosa's last five years. Can we expect any new, and, I'm, and I understand that I'm asking you to be speculative here, but can we expect any new ideas to have come out of these commissions over the last two days? Well, I mean, firstly, actually, there's been very minimal discussion around the substance of the policy proposition. I think the focus has really been around leadership. And I think for me, that's probably something that Malula needs to bring in, is the old ANC that truly engage with policy propositions, not entirely policy governance. Because when you are a you know, governing organization or governing party, you need to be concerned about the vision and the discourse into which the country is going to. That's the first issue. I think the second issue is that um, 
even though we're speculating, there's a possibility that a lot of policy propositions that have been presented are not likely to change. In fact, and, and this has nothing to do with now, if you look at, you know, several resolutions of the ANC, you know, that dates back from Pulukwana right up until today. You know, ANC takes such progressive, you know, uh, policy uh, propositions. But in terms of implementation, you know, that's always often, you know, is zero. So, and I'm hoping that that's part of what Belula as the head of the um, uh, SGO going forward is to actually just make it sure that the ANC truly honors the promises that it makes during the um, elective conference, but as well as including the, the, the national election. And I mean, specifically, I think on the issue of the Reserve Bank and the economic discourse, I think there's a general consensus that in fact, we can't celebrate, you know, GDP growth of 1.6% or 1.67%. We need to move this economy at least to above 3% so that this economy is able to create sustainable jobs. And that small and medium enterprises, you know, are actually in the growth trajectory. But also that needs to be done through a partnership with the private sector. So in essence, and the consensus is that as long as the economy is not growing beyond 1.6 or 2 percent, there's nothing. And I do think that the ANC, you know, delegates who are the conference now, and even other ANC, you know, comrades who are outside of the conference have been really sending a message that the state of unemployment, poverty, and structural, you know, social inequality cannot be tolerated anymore. We're sitting on a time bomb with 66% of young people who are unemployed, including 42% of black women who, are, uh, who lead unproductive lives, who rely on social security for them to sustain their lives. Yeah. Now, on the Reserve yeah. Bank issue, the ANC, and I think a lot of people often miss this question, the ANC had taken a decision, for instance, in the manifesto of 2019, that it's going to introduce a dual mandate, which has really become a practice. And it's true that, I mean, the, those who are sitting in government who are actually meant to actually implement this decision have really been evasive in as far as what has to be done. I listened this afternoon to, um, to Minister Kodongwana, who is the Minister of Finance. He was actually hosted by Andrew, one of your colleagues, much more ill. And he makes, you know, a, you know, an argument that the current, um, constitutional mandate of the central bank is actually sufficient. And the answer is yes and no, right? Because what makes it insufficient is the fact that when the central bank focuses on its price stability as the only primary uh, uh, mandate, you see that reflected in the MPC decision-making. But there's absolutely no balance in as far as looking at other you know, a, a, a dual mandate. So the current mandate says you look at price stability and balance growth, right? And the key question, I mean, today, you and I, Oliver and, and Dr. Androvi in studio, amongst the key things is that we, we've experienced 35% interest rate increases only in 2022, right? Not the economy has not recovered from uh, has not recovered from uh, um, from COVID. It may have recovered, by the way, in terms of GDP growth, which is in nominal terms. But in real terms of increasing access 
to uh, 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 to money and money supply within the economy. We've not seen much difference. So we are actually choking. So in essence, it means that the 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 mandate as it stands, it's not sufficient. Mm. It needs to be more explicit. Like, I mean, you know, countries like U.S., it's true. U.S. have just increased their interest rate. But in essence, and if you look at the interest rate, interest rate is 0.5%. And amongst the key issues that the central, the, the Federal Reserve governor of the U.S. would say, one of the key things we're concerned about is two things. is price stability and it's looking at insulating the economy from uh, unemployment. And the key question, you never find that as being part of the statement of the MPC. Their focus is to always actually insulate the supply side of the economy. But the demand side of the economy is consistently left vulnerable. And the yeah. demand side yeah. includes actually the very households uh, who are meant to stimulate the, the economy, the businesses who are meant to, to stimulate the economy, and that actually then increases, yeah. you know, the cost of doing business and as well as cost of living in the economy. So exactly whose interest is the central bank mandate serving? Yeah. Uh, just in a minute, uh, Dr. Tlengerentov, if you can tell me this, with renewed and increased political support within the ANC, do you think Cyril Ramaphosa will be in a position to be more, much more aggressive in policy implementation uh, and the transformation agenda and fixing effectively what is a broken state caused by a broken party? Or do you think that the political world has, will not suddenly appear in the sky just because there's more political support for the president? Well, I think uh, where he's currently standing now... Um He's been here before, uh, but in a different look. He emerged uh, in 2017 with so many promises that amongst uh, growing the economy included fighting corruption and all of those things. But instead, we've seen those, you know, uh, getting worse during his term. I think the task ahead of him right now is more, t- is more tense than how he emerged uh, before in 2017. So in 2017, when he emerged, um, the language that came from Nasrek was around unity. But um, we didn't see any unity shaping in the past five years. Yeah. And um, now we find ourselves in the same position. And moving from here, he has a huge task again. Number one, to unite the ANC but also uh, to regain the trust uh, yeah. from the South Africans towards uh, the 2024 national government elections. Yeah. Five years is a very um, is a very short time in terms of implementation and all that because a growing trend that we're seeing within the ANC is not necessarily focusing on improving the economy, improving the livelihoods of the South Africans, but we've seen uh, political battles that will run through um, being debated within um, internal structures of the ANC, within the, the ANC internally. Yeah. So that in itself paints a very big picture in terms of where are we going from here. 
uh, as we emerge, uh, as, as Syria emerges from Nazareth and as um, the country looking at Zuru Ramaphosa, but also thinking beyond 2024. Yeah, I, I guess we'll have to wait for that Jan 8 statement with the subsequent cabinet reshuffle to see if there's an indication of renewed political will and an appetite to act. But we're going to have to leave it there. Thank you so much, Dr. Flengu and Lovo, as well as Pelisan Gomo for your time. Really, really do appreciate it. Let's take a quick break. On the other side of this, we're heading straight into the news and I'm taking your calls on 086-000-086-000-2032. Oliver Dixon on SAFM. I just remember, this is a special broadcast, so we don't actually have a news bulletin. Our last news bulletin was at 8 p.m., it seems. Uh, so we continue the show. Give us a call, 86 0 2032 What's your reaction to all of these developments? What's on your mind this evening? Let's speak to Bonagele out in the Eastern Cape. Bonagele, good evening. Uh Point of correction, a very good evening. Point of correction, not Eastern Cape, but Western Cape in Kailisha. Oh, my yeah. apologies. Bonagele, who's in the Western Cape? Uh, it's Western been a, it's been a, it's been a long Cape. day. We we, we, we will bound to miss some of these things. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> no problem, my friend. Listen, I'm excited. I'm amongst those who are excited, who are happy with this winning team. I call it a winning team, so to speak. Can it's I pause you quickly? Can I pause you quickly? And, and, I, and I know you want to give your reasons, but I want to ask you this question before you go ahead. Oh. I have spoken to a lot of people today who have Sorry? said to me, I've spoken to a lot of people today who I said to me, now? can you hear me? Can you hear me now? Yes, go ahead. Yeah, Great. I've been in go conversations ahead. with a lot of South Africans today who have been saying to me, they're happy about the Cyril Ramaphosa win, yes. not because they necessarily support Ramaphosa or believe in him, but rather that they prefer the devil they know than the devil they don't know, implying, of course, that they don't know enough about Zulim Kize. They just don't trust him. Not that they trust Ramaphosa, they just understand Ramaphosa a little bit better in their distrust of him. So are you excited for the Ramaphosa win for positive reasons or for negative reasons? For me personally, I must really say, I'm one of those who have been saying, even with regard to this palapala saga, so to speak, for me it was political. And, and, and in fact, I was just checking, because with regard to, uh, to whatever that he was doing, this guy doesn't have to be, soon to be given enough time to do what he promised to do, you understand? So mentioning all these things during his term, COVID, blah, 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 all this, you understand? Mm. And yet people were trying to push him away. And yet he, he was going to be the first president not to serve the second term as I. That was the question I was asking myself. So it's unfair, so to speak. And in fact, I was, you, you, you ask them, they will, those who listen to FSM and those who listen to probably Metro at some site, but mostly on Kobo and and they know me in one of those programs. I'm one of those who happens to be uh, told at some place that I'm, a, I'm one of the spokespersons for Ramapos. <laughs> I'm not sure about that, you understand? And even during Tabombegi's time, I was, and when, when talking about him, his reaction, I, I, I did mention that I was disappointed because. He was so vocal. Well, it is used, but I still believe on him. 
though, then in the manner in which he handled this, following other people who understand, I respect him very much. I was a bit disappointed. For this Ramaphosa president to come back and look at that, um, uh, the, 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 what you call, the different fault between him and Zulem King. I said to them, he's going to come back. The only time the, uh, he will be impeached, it is the ANC, even not the opposition parties. That is what Mbaluna was saying as well. And in fact, just to react on what Mbaluna was saying in that press briefing, I wish and hope he will stand firm and do whatever that he, as he was claiming to be a commander and do what he said to be done. Look, I've been saying this for people who doesn't uh, who are ill-disciplined. I'm referring to those senior members who are disrupting and don't, don't want to see uh, this ANC doing what was, what was it uh, meant to be or do what he promised these people of this country. They need to do away with them. I fully agree with him. They must go. And I was happy when he mentioned that whoever is, gonna, is not going to do what the ANC is doing, not towing the line, they must go and form their own party. That's the question I was asking myself. And yeah, but then the real question is, is the ANC not perhaps then stifling legitimate political debate or what the, about what the social and political good and accountability should be? That is to say, should the ANC not embrace dissent? No, I understand that. I understand, but it's high time. They're very strict on people that are ill-disciplined. You understand? They must... No, these people must come forward and be disciplined. You understand? We, they must lead by example. Even whatever that is said right now, they must stick to that. So for President Ramaphosa, he must not be scared to reshuffle that cabinet right now. Especially, I've been saying this, for people who have been calling him, step down. We know these people. He must not be shy. Okay. And with people that is going to work with you, not to work against you. So okay. that we can see the results. You understand? Thank you Thank so much. You much. Thank you so much for your calls. I really do appreciate it. Neo out in Kimberley. Good evening. Good evening, sir. Mm, what's on your mind? Mine is to react to your reaction to Bandura's uh, statement. Mm. Uh, I think it's kindness of you coming up with just a suggestion that Mbadula wants to some kind of uh, want to destroy the ANC. Uh, we know why the ANC... No, I didn't say Mbadula wants to destroy the ANC. I said Mbadula is disregarding the Constitutional Court. Yeah, but it's, it can't amount to that, basically. No, you I can... Mean, you... No, you, no, it's not. Those two things don't have anything to do with each other. Um, maybe let me make this plain and clear. Mbalula says that in the party, in the ANC, they believe in democratic centralism. That is to say, if you vote in a different line away from the caucus in parliament, that the party must deal with you. I'm saying it's interesting that he holds on to that view and want to speak about renewal, yet the constitutional court said what you are doing is unconstitutional. Uh, let's take it from this angle. Mbalula has a political party to run, isn't it? Yes. Now, the ANC has been run in a, in a way that is 
unlike the EEC. Things have gone completely out of hand. Now, Mgarula uh, comes in. He, must, he, has, he has a mandate that he has to fulfill. Now, who wants to leave to come and leave a legacy that is bad? Nobody wants to. I think what he intends to be is what he's supposed to do. I have been, from the beginning, I voted the ANC, but lately I didn't. Because ANC was foreign to me due to being infested with some people who are basically can be regarded as totes. Even the, 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 the people who were supposed to run the ANC were completely strange to me. Now, Barula wants, wants me to take that and turn it around. Makes ANC a home or a church that it was used to, to be referred to. It is frustrating to watch things happening the way they have been, without control whatsoever. Now, Barilla's intention, we don't know whether he's going to succeed or not, but he has to get our, our support. Instead of supporting him, criticizing him prematurely, it's completely wrong. Or assume that he is going to go wrong the wrong way. Now, coming to your point, of the constitutionalism. Uh, a constitution is supposed to be sacrosanct. Now, the ANC has also its, its own policies based on the constitution. A policy is it's a guideline that guides your behavior. Now, if people are told to the line. There's nothing wrong, that is politics. Political parties use, use a number of things for them to, 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 to stand and be on the winning side. I mean, it's politics, I agree with that, but not everything that is politics is good politics. Bad politics does exist. To say toe the party line is not necessarily healthy politics. What is healthy politics is opening up for debate and embracing dissent, especially in a democracy where there's a pluralism of views and opinions about what the social good should be. I think if the ANC really wants to invent uh, itself as a party fit for purpose in modern politics, that it should be able to at least say, we're opening up ourselves up for debate, and should there be members within our caucus that disagree with the position, we will allow them the freedom to be able to take that position and vote in that direction. That is where a real, that's where the real representation of democracy comes in, where the hearts and minds of uh, South Africans are truly and effectively represented uh, in forums like Parliament. Thank you so much for your call, Neil. Uh, uh, appreciate it. I'm going to have to leave it there with Neil. I'm going to take a quick break. On the other side of this, we continue the conversation. Oliver Dixon on SAFM. Continue taking your calls this evening, going back to the lines. Lirato in Volmaranstadt. Good evening. Uh, evening, my brother. How are you? I'm fantastic, sir. Go ahead. Yes. Uh, one, we need to understand that in every epoch, like every period in, in any organization, mm. 
gives birth to new challenges. Mm. And it is up to a elected collective to rise above whatever challenges. Now, going to the press briefing of the Secretary General of DNC, Comrade Shikidem Balula. One, when you get to be elected in any organization, you would find that there are policy positions and rules and regulations that governs an organization. Now, when you are a custodian of such policy positions, the constitution and so on, you need to assert or ascertain your position as a custodian to such policy position. So I, I, I gather no wrong in whatever Comrade Mbalula had said, particularly on the issue of Comrade who voted against the party line. Like you, you are saying that you find it to be somehow undemocratic or somehow prejudicing to some members of parliament who decided to go against the party line and vote on their conscience. That's what the Constitutional Court says. Those aren't my words. Yes. Remember, we've got the Constitutional Court that governs the doings and undertakings in the country. Then you've got a political party which is independently registered according to the constitutional procedures. However, a constitutional court cannot uh, impose upon a political party to what must happen in the political party. Comrade Mbalu is giving a political party mandate or directive to say in the ANC you've got a principle called democratic centralism. It means there is democracy, but it is centralized on structures and on leadership of the movement. So when, when you join the ANC, that's why in your oath you say you voluntarily join the ANC and you give your rights and everything to the ANC. It means it is no longer you existing when the ANC deploys you in whatever position. It is the ANC that is deployed. You are just a tool that the ANC is using to fulfill a particular mandate or a particular task at a point in time. So he is not in any way wrong or intimidating to fellow comrades of the ANC. He is just reminding them that there's a principle that we've adopted in the organization and that it has helped to, to carry the organization through so many years to a point that the organization has passed a century existing because of such policies. Now, going against such policies, it means we are spitting on the grace of those who died for this organization, those who sacrificed their blood and yeah. sweat for this organization to be where it is today. Okay, now, can I, I ask you this? Can I ask yes. you this? Okay. Has this culture worked for the ANC? And the reason I ask you that is mm. if, the, if the culture has worked for the ANC, would the ANC not have been in a stronger position today than it was 10 years ago? I believe it has worked, but somehow there are challenges like I indicated. Sure. Perhaps and particular individuals who get elected at particular epochs. Sure. Uh, you remind, you remember that during or in the course of this National Congress, the 58th National Conference, there were even NEC members who would appreciate or acknowledge that this was the weakest NEC. That on its own would tell you that the ANC was plunged into a serious organizational and political crisis when a leader who is supposed to provide solutions 
admit that I am ah, weak. But, but Lerato, it's, it's, I think it would be unfair to say that the problems of the ANC started five years ago. Surely the problems of the ANC started much earlier than that. I can agree with you partially, but I, 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 I happen to want to bring you closer to the fact that the ANC let, is let in me, a process so, of renewal. And sure. It is not a process that began five years ago. It's a process that was informed by the sins of incumbency that was realized post the Polokwane conference. Okay. So say there's, a, there's a general decline of membership, there's a general decline of discipline in the ANC, and there are so many things that affect the general well-being of the ANC as an organization. Yeah. Hence, you see, the renewal process has been continuing. It's just that there were challenges where leadership did not agree on particular issues. Hence, you'd find that there are divisions all over in the ANC. Look, I look, believe, I, okay. I, I think I, I think you're fair to have that view uh, as an ANC member. Although I, I think you are under understating uh, the, the the problems of the ANC. It's it, honestly to say that the ANC really fell into its worst over the last five years uh, is a complete complete discount of what happened 15, 20 years ago. Uh, the problems of the ANC, while I would say precede Bulugwane Conference, uh, but has started exacerbating since then. But we're going to have to leave it there, Lerato. Thank you so much. Komutso in Nazrek, well, who's in Limpopo. Good evening. Good evening. How are you, my brother? I'm, I'm well. Are you in Nazrek or are you in Limpopo? I'm from Limpopo, but I've been camping in Nazrek ever since Thursday last week. Oh, uh, are you are you a delegate? No, I'm friends of delegates. Um, like, uh, we are supporting structure of the delegates. And oh, oh, you are. Are you are you part of? Are you part of uh, the moral support? The one that you always see there by the Sasol garage is us there. But those are also the ones who are always organizing after parties. So where's the after party? <laughs> no, no, it's fine. Let, let, let's get to... <laughs> What's on your mind, sir? What's on your mind? <laughs> you see. Few things, Federico. Uh, 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 congratulations to the CR, the buffer himself, and uh, Fikile yeah. is the right man for that position. I was crossing my fingers throughout for these people to emerge, and we are very happy. And I think the integrity and the dignity of the ANC will come back again uh, to the people out there. They will acknowledge this leadership. And so, yeah, we are happy. We've never slept uh, since Thursday until now, but the product that we received is quite all right. And while on that, Kariga, do you know a guy called Buleshai, the regional chairperson of Mopani in Limpopo? No, I'm not familiar with that name. You should uh, do an interview with him very soon. You see, that guy was... Is, is he your friend who are here to morally support? No, no, he's the, he's the leader of the ANC, he's the regional chairperson in Limpopo of Mopani district. Okay. So, uh, what, what, um, the, okay, the, yeah. what, he has, what he has done on Saturday night uh, in the, the in Nazareth, uh, when, he, when the Premier, Stan Matawata, said he's taking the in route to N3. And he said the Limpopo is supporting Kawazela Mukizo is coming in as the Limpopo. And then most of the leaders in Limpopo who are in the PEC, they kept quiet. But this man that I just mentioned, 
he took the uh, the ball by the horn and addressed the Limpopo delegate and said, but as Limpopo, we, the branches has decided that we are going with Cyril. What that man is saying there as the premier, as the chairperson of Limpopo, is not what we agreed on. So please, uh, delegates, let's stick to what we've been mandated by the branches and support Cyril Ramaphosa. While everybody was quiet, mm. then immediately okay. after his immediately after his address, most of the PEC members, the leaders, the secretary, the Matazi guy, and others, they joined in and said, "No, we are not going to enter it." The mandate from our branches was, "We go in with CR." Sure. So if he did not do that, the premier was taking all the delegates of which we as Limpopo account for over 500 delegates so it was going to be he is the game changer because it was swinging to the direction of entry but that man stood him and brought it back brought Limpopo to its uh, serenity whereby he said you can't defy the mandate of the branches from the ground and say we're going to enter a yeah, just so, I just I just want to ask you this question before I let you go, uh, and thank you for making that point. Uh, as a as a as a uh, uh, on the ground spectator of what has been happening over the last couple of days, did did you see any brown envelopes move there at Sasol Garage? No, 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 no. There by Sasol Garage, things were because delegates were not there. Delegates were always harbored from the what you call from the Nazarek uh, precinct to their hotels. There where we were, it was just people supporting, sloganering, making, drinking their things and doing the thing, but making sure that every information from inside it's brought out, brought to us to know what is happening in there. Mm. So okay. the issue of the issue of bright envelopes, it's you know, there and one thing for sure that we, we know there's always people from this the losing side will say this one used money. And uh, so everybody uses money. So that you cannot shy away from it. But <laughs> it's not a thing yeah. of saying uh, this one is using, this one is not. Okay. Because, you know, before you let me go, you see, one thing that I think it's a serious concern that uh, when we are interacting with people, the, uh, when we are interacting, you see, the Zulu people, they got this perception of saying they are superior being than any other. You see them when they comment, I'm a baby. You cannot call I'm a, I'm a Shanga. I'm a, they cannot lead us. So these people must just come to their senses that we are all black. We're all ANC. Membership of ours, it's the same. There's, they are not superior than any other people. But the way they belittle other people, it's a serious concern. Okay. Thank you so much for that. They are the only people who can, re, who can lead the ANC. Thank you so much for that point. Really, really do appreciate it. Uh, Dr. Tlengwe Ndlovu is still with us. Uh, Dr. Ndlovu, does the ANC have a tribalism problem? Well, I think um, that's a very important question to ask. Uh, but also, uh, we do have a problem of divisions in general in South Africa, not just within the ANC. The question of race and ethnicity remains highly, highly um, relevant. But in terms of politics as well, I think um, it has to do with uh, particular preferences 
And uh, as we've seen, different provinces mobilizing differently according to the language that they understand and the leadership that they prefer. I'm not quite sure if it's fair to reduce, um, you know, the contestations along um, tribal lines. Sure. Maybe there is an element of that, but um, being here on the ground for the past four days, uh, I, I haven't seen that as clear a cut as, or maybe I haven't experienced it uh, from the position where I'm standing. So I can't... Um, reduce uh, the politics within the ANC to tribalism but um, obviously there are serious factions within the ANC and uh, they are so deep it's unfortunate that some of them they cut across uh, provincial lines which then by extension extends to tribal lines yeah. Yeah. sort of to speak yeah yeah. Uh, Pelissa what can and should the ANC do in the next 18 months to pull itself back from the precipice of losing governance power? Yeah, I think the, there are several things that they truly have to do. I mean, I think, you know, firstly, the ANC has to deal with uh, some of its founding principles, which I think Dr. Ngovu starts to comment about, around some of the ethnic hegemonic tendencies that have emerged within the ANC. Um, you know, where certain groups feel that they should be entitled to. And I think the only thing that truly makes me excited about the top seven amongst it is that it's so diverse. It's actually, for me, I was saying, even though it may be an outcome of a slate or a faction, but also it, it does reflect a little bit of robustness, democratic robustness within the ANC, that in fact there shouldn't be any ethnic group that feels they have a sense of entitlement in terms of the ANC leadership. And, and, and there is that, and there's such a, that embedded dynamism within the, the ANC political culture. So that's the first thing. And then the second issue, there are several things that the ANC needs to do in as far as making sure that it really uses the next 18 months to reposition itself and um, within, you know, um, South African citizens. I think the first issue really is to make it sure that its leadership is visible within communities, right? I think we get to hear stories where community groups say, we are looking for access to water, looking for access to housing. We are all, we've just had, I mean, with the climate change crisis, we've just had a problem with uh, floods, etc. But we don't know where our councillor is, right? So the, the leadership visibility and connection with its constituents is actually going to be important. That's the first issue. I think the second issue is to really mobilize young people and women, right, and make it sure that they articulate their programs very clearly. The third one is to implement the policy decisions they make at conferences and make it sure that they see that through. So in essence, there's a, in fact, there's an accountability bridge that actually the current SG needs to build, which is actually non-existent. When ministers are appointed in cabinet, and in fact, they never report back to the ANC what is actually uh, happening. And I do think that amongst the key issues why actually the ANC has not been able to follow through some of its progressive resolution is because that bridge has never been built. And I do think that that's something that is... I think that yeah. the fifth issue fundamentally 
economy is an enabler for every citizen. You can, any government can make an investment in terms of its GDP spending into in the social policy. But when it's all and done, ultimately citizens are looking for, uh, you know, are looking for the ability to lead productive and decent lives. Yeah. And if the economy is actually not revived in a way that it integrates those who are in the periphery, I do think that people are just going to continue to stay away, you know, from the polls. How, how, Already, how, does, how does the ANC begin to have that conversation when they wake up in the first week of January and they uh, are once again facing the threat of a national shutdown by public servants uh, because of deadlocks at the negotiation, ta- negotiation table about public wage, uh, about wage increases in the public service uh, and the state saying we can't afford it, uh, union saying, well, then we're going to go to the streets. That is... The, I think the ultimate performance of a broken economy, right? How do you begin that conversation about economic renewal and economic enabling uh, when you can't meet the demands of public servants? I mean, it's true. In fact, one of the key things I was saying earlier, you know, I just feel, um, I, you know, I, I'm sending my strength to those who, have, who are sending to positional power within the ANC because anyone who's getting into power now is actually inheriting a name so also that is not only internal crisis but as well as external crisis. So in essence, I do think that what the government needs to do in relation to the public sector wage is to then, you know, try and make it sure that it gets the workers on the table perhaps to commit into a multi-year uh, wage agreement which will then kind of like, it's likely to give them a breather in certain years, but also in other years. Because the reality is that what pushes, what puts pressure, sorry, on the public sector workers is the fact that the cost of living has been rising. Yeah. But also, this is a, such an important group, by the way, for the economy, the public sector workers. They keep this economy going when you go and renew your license, when you go to a hospital, when children are going to school, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, and, and, and as long as we are not giving them their position they deserve in society, and it's true that they, they actually, the part of this public sector strike is that they do feel aggrieved about, you know, the nature of the treatment that, you know, government has really been given yeah. to them. And yeah. And they see on a daily basis corruption, right, in the spaces where they are located. So also they are actually making some of these demands because they don't have faith in the public sector governance structures Mm -hmm. because, you know, they're seeing a lot of wastage. And I do think that there's a deeper political conversation at a political level that the ANC is going to need to have with its allies, which is COSATU, and in actually remobilizing the workers in as far as what vision actually do they have for this country. And, and because part of it is that you need to reconfigure how you interact with public servant at a political level. And I do think that COSATU, if COSATU would come in on board, and on, of course on the back of the multi-year agreement. That could be something that they could explore. But for now, to be honest with you, I can't really give yeah. you a real answer. But I do think that there are opportunities for engagement, but at the heart of it is that 
government is losing ground, including ANC, in it because the more they delay in dealing with unemployment and poverty and inequality, is that citizens are slowly losing. I mean, are slowly losing confidence in them, yeah. but also they are losing ground in as far as as well correcting the problem because every time they leave, they a day passes without them correcting a problem, but instead making a statement. It means that actually, you know. Um, that problem becomes actually a moving target because they've not dealt with it. Or that problem triggers another multiple problem, exactly which is a point that you're making around the loss of confidence yeah. of public sector workers who are actually such an important engine in actually ensuring that we build a thriving a- ab- economy. Absolutely, absolutely. Just a final question to wrap us up, Dr. Ndlovu. Uh, I want you to reflect on the same question. Is there anything the ANC can do between now and the next 18 months uh, to pull itself back from the real threat of losing uh, governance power. Yes, uh, absolutely. I agree with uh, most of the points that uh, Perisa has uh, put forward. Uh, there is a lot of work to be done uh, from the ANC internally, which begins with uh, rethinking their identity. Who are they? Um, in 2022, in 2023, because it would seem like uh, if you ask um, members of the ANC, most of them, they refer you to the founding documents of 1912. I mean, um, we've had several transformations, historical moments that needs to be reflected uh, in terms of where we're at um, now. So first, rethinking who they are, but also rethinking uh, their constituency in terms of uh, who are they representing uh, broadly. And I want to tie this uh, to the question of representative democracy, especially um, from a community perspective, from a branch perspective, since um, you know the delegates who are voting here uh, have been um, delegated by uh, branches from the rural areas, from the poor communities and all of that. What does it mean to carry a mandate uh, yeah. from a point whereby the people who are sending you, they understand their issues, they know how to articulate their struggles, but most importantly, they kind of have a vision in terms of how they are thinking about uh, addressing those problems. So when you get to a conference and then you get to be lobbied left, right and center, are you still carrying the mandate of the people? Are you still carrying the mandate of those that you are claiming to represent? And I think uh, these kind of questions are the same questions that um, the NC at government level is supposed to reflect on in terms of are they implementing what is uh, in the interest of South Africans broadly or they are just playing their own personal politics and yeah. what they think. So that is very important. It's very key for them to reflect on those questions. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time this evening. Really, really do appreciate it, Dr. Nklovo, as well as Pelisa. Uh, thank you so much for your incredible and invaluable insights as we try to make sense of what the ANC claims to be a new era for its renewal uh, and unity project. We're going to take a quick break on the other side of this because this is still... The Monday edition of The Viewpoint, we're going to stick to programming and we're going to bring you our medical feature because it's Health Mondays. We're going to be talking about medical male circumcision. Is it something you're perhaps considering? Is it something you're considering for your male children as a parent? On the other side of this, Dr. Nelson Ikaba will be with us.